0: Woodside Bible Church. We gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. I believe the spirit. I believe the spirit of God is here. You believe that? I think He has something special for us, and He's already given it to us. He's pouring it out. So, and you know, I hope you receive it. I, um, I'm super excited about a new series that we're starting actually next week. Um, we're starting a study in the book of 1 Peter. Actually, Bill, I hope you're okay. Bill's preaching next week and he's all excited about uh, getting started in that launching as well. I'm going I'm to steal some thunder today, if that's all right, because I want you to turn to 1 Peter. But turn to 1 Peter 4. Our series is going to be um, on chapter 1 and 2. The series is called Unshakable. Peter wrote this letter called 1 Peter to the church that was scattered around. They were scattered because of difficulties. They experienced all types of storms in their life. And he was giving to them this exhortation that we have in this letter to stand strong and stand firm in all the uncertainties of their present situation. Well, I don't know about you, but uncertainty is kind of true in our situation. Wouldn't you agree? Is NFL going to last all season? Who knows? Is the Big Ten going to play this year? Who knows? Um, is the election going to be? Are we going to know the results by Wednesday morning? Who knows? Are we going to know by December thirty-first? Who knows? Um, what's your business going to be doing in the status of it? In you know what's? Uh, who knows? That's kind of what's happening. What are schools going to be doing here in a month or two? Who, who knows? So this letter is so timely. As it's given to us in our times of our storms, like this past Sunday night, Labor Day Sunday. I don't know if you remember that. We were in a pop-up, and uh, as we went to bed about 11:30 or so, and the winds were howling to the point where we started to Google um, how strong of winds can a pop-up sustain, right? And the girls just said, "What do you? What's it say? What's it say? What's it say?" I said, "I think we're. I think we're okay. What do you mean you think?" No, we'll we'll be okay. And then it started to rain like I've never felt it before, maybe because I've never been in that kind of rain in a pop-up before. And uh, and the thunder and the lightning, it's crashing down. And I, I felt like, well, that's kind of our world right now. The winds are blowing. I've never felt winds like this before. And the storms, I've never been in something like this before. There's always storms, but this one seems very unique. But the answer is the same, and we get that answer in First Peter. You'll see very, clear, very clearly in First Peter one and two, what our posture should be in times of uncertainty, so that we can stand unshakable. Say that word with me: unshakable. Ready? Unshakable. That's your faith. That's your faith. That's what he's given to you. Is confidence. That's why he's given us his word, so we can say, "I'm not sh-. well." Actually, the word said, "So I can be sure." Our faith is unshakable. But I want to look in chapter 4, jumping ahead, kind of out of that series, because I feel like this passage is very timely for us today. And as we look at chapter 4, specifically at verse 7 through 11, we will see that we are to actively wait, or we are to wait actively for God's deliverance. In this season, we are to wait actively for God's deliverance. So let's read together verse 7. I'll read out loud. You follow along. Verse 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplied. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7 says, The end of all things is at hand. NFL football begins this week. Some of you could care less. Um, but in the game of football, there is a part of the game that is unofficially called the two minute drill. It's the last two minutes of this first half and the second half where the clock is winding down and if you're on offense, maybe you're behind or at least you want to get one last score before the bell, before the um, the end of the half. And so the team goes into what's unofficially called the two-minute drill. You play it a little differently. You're managing the clock. You want the clock to stop as often as you can, so maybe you play on the sidelines so you, your players can step out of bounds to stop the clock. Maybe you throw the ball more often because if you drop it, it stops the clock. Right? Because you want to advance incrementally down the field. You don't want to be stuck you want to get down the field in hopes of that three-point field goal or a, or a touchdown just before the end of the half. That's kind of where we are in our season, according to Peter. Right? Peter was one of the 12 disciples. He was part of the inner circle. And he says to the followers of Jesus, scattered around, suffering in different storms of life, and he says, the end is at hand. We're in the two-minute drill. We're in the last days. Scripture refers to it as such. The last days. And according to the Bible, the last days have already begun. I don't know if you've realized that. We're not waiting for the last days. According to Scripture, we are in the last days. It's referring to the final two minutes of the game that God has designed for our human existence. If you read the story of the Bible, you see that God has this plan that He's revealed to us that He is working out. It all started when He created the heavens and the earth. He was already existing, fully satisfied in and of Himself, but He said, I want to create image bearers where they can delight in Me also. So He created a world as a habitation. It was perfect. He created male and female that would be able to relate with one another and to Him, and He placed them in the garden and said, This is going to be great. You will discover how good of a creator I am, and you'll find great satisfaction in me. However, that humanity sinned against God, and that sin separated them from Him. So they were missing that satisfaction of knowing Him. And so God created this plan. God had this plan from the beginning so that we would understand his redemption and his, his grace and his mercy. Uh, this plan involved uh, years and decades and centuries of, of foretelling what he would do in providing a redeemer, a rescuer. That we as people couldn't rescue ourselves because we're the problem. <laughs> Were the sinners, and so he set about this plan of rescue where he would send us a deliverer, a messiah, a champion. And that person was Jesus. When the time was right, he sent Jesus to be one, one of us. He took on human flesh, and he lived a perfect life. He revealed the Father to us so that we could see again clearly who God was, so we can delight in him again. And then he went to the cross, And as he was killed by the people he came to save, he was paying for the sins that those people had committed. The Bible says he was the perfect atonement for our sin. He was the rescuer, he was the redeemer, he was the solution. And he rose from the dead, revealed himself to the world so there'd be no doubt that he rose. And then before he ascended, he gave back to the Father. He gave his followers a promise. He said, I'm coming back. I'm going to my Father, but I'm coming back. And when I do, the end will happen. But while you're waiting for that promise, go into all the world and tell people about me. Tell people about the message of salvation, about redemption. And while I go, I'll prepare a place for you, so when I come back, a whole bunch of you can experience eternity with God again. That began the last day. When Jesus went to the Father, the last days began. We are in the final chapter of what God has revealed in the scripture for his plan. So what do we do? Peter says, the end is at hand. And he he said it 1,930 years ago, or however many. A long time ago. And so, if he could say, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who never lies, if he could say the end of the time is at hand, then we are so much more close to the end of time. The end of the last day. So what do we do? What's the two-minute drug? What's our focus? You'll see as we read through First Peter, but here he gives three specific things that we should be about in these last few minutes of the last day. So... Maybe you picked it up already as we read. They're simple things and yet so, so important. First of all, as we have this clear focus, this short list of things to be concerned with, he says, be focused in our prayer. The end of all time is at at hand. So be focused in your prayer. Specifically, he says, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Be clear-headed so you can pray. Don't live like those in the world who, as they're constantly looking for an escape, they, they look for ways to turn off their mind and just get away from their problems, or they drown their sorrows, or other cheap alternatives. Don't go there, because you know there's a better solution. So be self-controlled, be sober-minded, so you pray. That's what Jesus said just before his betrayed. He said, I want you to know this that the Father is going to be listening to you as you pray in my name. He gives this incredible promise in John 14.3. He said, ask whatever you you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. So when you have troubles and you have uncertainties and, and confusion, what do you do? Well, you pray. I love the words from the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word reasonableness. That's how we want to live, right? I want to to live reasonably. He says, well, this is reasonable. Don't be worried. Instead, pray. Pray with thanksgiving because the Lord is at hand. So why don't we? Why don't we pray? He's contrasting this response to what he mentioned a few verses earlier in chapter 4. He says, uh, the... Don't do what the Gentiles do or those without God those that don't fear God that haven't met God don't do it don't do what they do living in sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drink parties and lawless and idolatry he says that's what people do that don't know Jesus but you do and Jesus is what connects you to the Father and he's the, he's the he's the difference maker so you don't have to be worried and anxious instead you pray. Because he hears. And if he hears, we know that he'll give the answer at just the right time. So we pray. As a family, we pray. As a church, we pray. As a life group, we pray. In fact, in First Peter 4, 7, when it says, for the sake of your prayers, that, that word... Here's an English test. All right? Some of you started school again. All right, catch up. See if you can figure this out. Prayers. That word, is it singular or plural? Let me say it again. Prayers. Is it singular or plural? Everybody? Plural. That means there's a bunch of them. Right? The word before prayers is the word your. Is it singular or plural? Plural. Right, we don't have an English word for this. Well, they do, we just don't call it good English up here in the northern states. Y'all is a better word for this Greek structure. There's the plur- plural sense to that word prayers. It's y'all's prayers. Be sober minded and self controlled for the sake of y'all's prayers. In other words, Peter is saying, so y'all pray. He's not, he is saying, when you're by yourself and you're concerned, pray. Yes, your specific prayer, you, yes. But he's specifically saying, so together you need to pray. There's something powerful that happens when we pray together. When someone reaches out to you and says, can we just pray together right now? There's something special there. When you're gathered together with friends that and you're sharing one another's burdens, there's a there's a special effect that happens when we pray. It's the reasonable thing to do. So we're in the two-minute drill. Families, pray together. When you're with your church family, pray together. You have a Christian friend that's going through difficulty. Pray together. I know it's good to say, hey, I'll be praying for you. That's good. And you better. If you said it, you better. But there's something special when it says, I'll pray for you. In fact, let's do it right now. Y'all pray what Peter says. That's what we do when the clock winding down. And that's where we're at. Secondly, he says, above all, Verse 2, excuse me, verse 8, he says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. What do we do in these final minutes? We're generous in love. Yes, we love one another. We say that, right? But this, he seems to be saying, Yeah, but you got to act it out, because without action, it's not earnest. Love one another, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attention of the heart, it's a direction, it's, a, it's an intention. But he says, he puts the action on it, show hospitality. Do something because we'll need it. We'll need it when we're going through difficulty. We'll need people to come around us and say, you're not in this alone, not just emotionally or spiritually, we're in this physically together. Love earnestly means it's not a shallow, a verbal statement, it's real. It's sincere. It involves the expression of support and assistance and encouragement. Encouragement, And then it uses that cool little phrase, love covers a multitude of sins. I love that. I love having seen it in action. And there's people who have a different kind of perspective as, as you try to understand. What does that mean? Love covers a multitude of sin. One commentator likened it to a blanket over a fire. Right? As fire requires oxygen. That's its fuel. That a blanket, Joe Duroo, Joe Doned, fire chief of Al-Gonac, is that true? It covers over the flame to kind of it starves the flame, right? Takes the oxygen away. There's even the fire extinguishers that sucks the oxygen out of the room so that the fire doesn't have fuel to go. That's what love does. It sucks away the fuel of sin. So if I'm loving you, if I'm acting lovingly towards you, I'll be less likely to sin against you. Because those are two opposing things. Right? In fact, Jesus says, the the law basically summed up in love. Don't sin against one another, instead love one another. Don't sin against God, instead love God. So love one another generously and it will suck away the fuel of sin if you're truly loving one another. Another commentator suggests that it means that the more we love, the more likely we are to reach those who are doing evil against us and thereby win them to Christ. You hear that? When people hurt us, when they come against us, there's lots of different responses. Retaliation is one that feels really good. Wow, that hurt? I'm going to show you how much that hurt. Right? That feels good. The problem is that hurts me too. So Peter says to a church that's scattered around being mistreated, he says, so show hospitality, because love covers a multitude of sin. As as sin comes against you, and love is what the response is, it covers that up and drowns that out. Just try it. See how that goes. It's not easy, and sometimes it requires that self-control and sober-mindedness and prayer, so that you can truly love and act lovingly. In retaliation to someone, but I found it helps in our marriage that breaks the crazy cycle. Will you do this? Well, you do that? Will you do this? Will you do that? You know what? Come here. And, it, it, and you begin to serve. Watch how that cycle stops. Uh, it might take a couple days, it might take a couple times. So don't be weary and doing well, but that's. That's what I found is Jesus' way to respond to people that come against them. It says be gracious in hospitality. That's pretty practical. And I can tell you Wednesday when I read the news um, about the fire in Greece. Did you happen to see that? There's an island just off the shores of Greece. and for the past uh, seven, eight years, it's been a place where migrants have been sent, right? We know that Europe has this uh, terrible immigration issue, um, and it's complicated. And I don't want to get into the political side of it, okay? But but that's where there was thirteen thousand migrants that were housed there on an island where there was residents, and the residents were very upset. That the government was, was dropping the migrants on their island. Well, this week, 35 of those 13,000 tested positive for COVID. So that was the last straw for those residents of that island. So apparently, some residents, out of that anger, torched the camp. Burned it to the ground. 13,000 migrants, some having lived for five years in a in a displacement camp. Have you ever, have you ever seen such a thing? When we were in Liberia uh, for those weeks, we visited some displacement camps. I'm telling you, I wanted to adopt every child that was in there. And get them out of there. It's heartbreaking. But at least a shelter. But even that was torched to the ground. Is that hospitality by the residents? I know, it's complicated, and I'm sure they're upset, and that wasn't their choice to, you know. But I contrast that to missionary partners that we have as Woodside. Amos and Marsha, who live in Rome, And they have their issues too with this immigration thing. But their mission, and you empower them with every time you put a gift in the offering plate, they go to the immigration camps and love and care and serve and share Jesus with them. Why? Because it's the last days. And Peter said, through the Holy Spirit, in these last days show hospitality. Be different. Yeah, it makes sense to push back from a worldly perspective, but that's not the kingdom we're living in. We're living in the kingdom of Jesus. So what makes sense is to love one another earnestly and show hospitality and welcome them in. Now, I know we don't have immigration camps and displacement camps in our community, so what does that do with us? Well, it seems like it would be much easier for us. When someone's struggling, what if... What if? What if our first response is not thinking our political response? What if our first response is saying, well, we have something we can give, we can serve, and we can love? What if we're less concerned with, well, my house can just never get clean enough to let welcome people in? Well, what, what, if, what if we just said, actually, the biggest concern is Jesus saying, so be hospitable, and show kindness. And some of you do, are, do that so well. And I hear of how you brought a meal to someone just to encourage them and how how you've been just so generous with those things. I just want to say, way to go. That is Jesus. That is the two-minute drill. That's moving us down the line. And when the kingdom comes, more people will be in it because of that effort. You sang of it today where Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, he says, He says, the gospel will be preached to every ethnic group, every nation, and then the end will come. The gospel will be preached to every ethnic group, then the end will come. Well, the Joshua Project, which is a Christian research group, has suggested that at the rate of the gospel spread right now, we could see that happen in our lifetime, where every ethnic group will hear the gospel. And some suggest, well, that's the sign that the end is at hand. Time is short. I don't know. when I'm not going to set dates, and I'm not going to say it's today or tomorrow. Uh, Jesus didn't even do that. He just said, I will come soon. And I think we're a whole lot sooner. So hospitality is a really good thing to do. Thirdly, verse 10 says, be active in serving. As each has received a gift, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. He reminds the church that everyone has been empowered through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that lives in you, to with gifts to serve in His kingdom. Everyone. Even those of you that think, hey, just, I'm just not that gifted. Nope, you are the word of god says so peter says so it's time for all of us to get in the game right 2 minute drill this doesn't happen in football but let's say coach says 159 2 minute timeout right so so now okay guys you 36 on the bench get in there now there's 55 people on the field for the last 2 minutes that's kind of what it's like we're all on the field, and Coach Peters saying, "Hold on! There's only some of you who even have your helmet on. Put it on to get in there. Use that gift. Serve him. Some of you are good at speaking, so do it. Some of you are good at serving, so do it." They say, "Well, these little things—they don't matter much." Are you kidding me? That guy could never catch the ball if there wasn't a blocker that knocked that guy in the end towards the middle so he can break free. It never happened. So, yeah, even that behind-the-scenes kind of stuff is so, so important. This morning, Joe Derue and Keith were here all by themselves getting this room all set up. Same last week. Same the week before. Hmm. What if more people jumped in and said, I don't know, I'm just going to block here, and that'll get done. Not a guilt trip. Sounded like it. It's not a guilt trip. Oh, Keith says, yes, it is a guilt trip. <laughs> Silly example of how simple it is to use our gift. There's certain times where it becomes so clear. You know, you're doing outreach, and we had 35 people or so at various fun- various roles out there at the park uh, just a few weeks ago. And that was so fun to see people doing little things, but everybody doing something and and getting that done. It'd be really cool. I don't know if this is going to happen, but we're really working hard. Wouldn't it be great to get a storefront where we have a permanent space? It's going to take a lot of work. Wouldn't it be cool if there's someone that says, I can't do much, but, you know, I, I can paint. So somebody's painting. Somebody's running electrical wire. Uh, somebody's jackhammering a, a trench in the concrete so we can run a, a, a water line. And somebody says, well, all I can do is clean. I can clean like nobody's business. All right, we need we need that too. That'll be a cool time where so many people can serve in simple ways. So I look forward to that. I, I, I find that so fun. But but I always pray that God help this to be a sticky time. A sticky time where people experience it and not say, that was really cool, and I'll go back to my normal until six months later we do another thing. But instead we kind of get stuck there. Like, oh, I, I just can't stop. I just want to keep serving, keep using these gifts. I might have to do something that's not really told to do, right? To stir cotton candy. He didn't tell me to do that. This time, I look for ways to use that gift, to use my gift. Why? Why do we do this? I love how Peter makes it so clear where he says this, this last verse of this passage he says, In order that in everything God may be glorified. Through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. What's the goal? But people would know Woodside is all about that. No, 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 So people can see that I'm really a good person. I'm not who I used to be. No, no, that's good that they do see that. But it's so that Jesus is glorified. So that He's Exalted. So that we reflect him more accurately to the world. Because as as has been said, Jesus is going to be seen in you. So I don't know what kind of Jesus you're presenting to the world. Let's make sure we present him more and more accurately. That he's a savior that came humbly. He's a savior that came not to be served, but to serve and give his life. Let's present him to our world. What happens? He's glorified. Jesus wins. More people come into his kingdom because they're drawn to him. We are the aroma of Christ. I know. Some will smell Jesus and they'll think, that's disgusting, and they'll turn away from him. It's going to happen. Jesus said it would. But if we present him well, if we present him right, some will smell Jesus and say, that is the what my heart's been longing for. Regrettably, too often they smell us, and I think I don't want that. Why? Because it's self-motivated, because it's self-serving, because we're we're graffiting the name of Jesus. But when we live according to his values and his truth, they'll smell him. And I found Jesus to be very compelling. Haven't you? Jesus is very compelling. And as we present him, people will be drawn to him for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for giving us the opportunity to be a part of this time, the end times, Lord, and we we don't know how exactly how it's all going to work out, and uh, we see peace treaties with Israel, and we see massive storms, and we see global alignment and unification, and we think of the words of Daniel and revelation and we see, wow, this seems to be the end times and it is. But Lord, help us not to be caught just gazing up to the sky. Instead, may we be people that recognize that your promise is true and your commission is relevant and we need... To be loving one another, we need to be praying fervently, we need to be serving together, Lord. We look forward to seeing what you're going to do. We're going to look forward to the harvest. The field is white, it's ready. I pray that we would step into that field, we'd be a part of what you're doing, Lord. So, use us here at Woodside, this tiny little congregation, this tiny little town. We believe that we're part of a massive family that's global, that's spreading further and further every day because your people have taken seriously your mission. Well, Lord, help us not to miss out. Help us not to be caught in the sideline. We put our helmets on, we step on the field, and we make ourselves available to you. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be part of what you're doing. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.